Hi, I'm Christine Murray, and welcome to the Developer Podcast, where we talk about how to make places worth living in, which often has to do with the spaces between the buildings as much as the buildings themselves. My name's Chris Wilson. I'm the Chief Executive of Southwark Charities, and we've been providing almshouses, so a form of charitable housing, a form of extremely affordable charity housing, in Blackfriars since 1753. Um, So we've had a fair bit of practice. And um, our original almshouses were built on a a Georgian model, similar to the almshouses in Hopton Street, which is just around the corner from us in Southwark on Bankside. Um, With the, the key difference being that our founder didn't leave us a whole pot of money to build one single coherent estate along a very traditional model of the three-sided you know sets of sets of, of, of homes with a central garden or central courtyard um he left us property and we had to save up the rent so every time we got enough rent then we built another block so it ended up slightly haphazard and that original footprint was sort of rationalized in, in the 1880s when we rebuilt the Victorian almshouses, but still, and, and it became a little bit enclosed. So there were like two L shapes with a, a central area, which was gardens and, and uh, places for people to sit and that type of thing. Um, and eventually the, the Victorian ones got sort of out of date and, and a bit ramshackle. So they were rebuilt in the nine, early, early 1970s. With the present building that we've got, which is a, uh, a square uh, uh, with, with a quadrangle in the middle, again, a garden, gardens in the middle, but a very undistinguished red brick, um, but, you know, classic sort of late 60s, early 70s uh, building. Um, the one positive thing about that is that we don't have heritage buildings with, with listings, grade two or, or higher listings. So we are able to contemplate knocking them down and rebuilding them. And I've spent most of the past 10 years working for the charity trying to find a plan and develop a plan um, that incorporates rebuilding and reproviding the almshouses because that's our that's what the, that's what the charity set up to do, but also um, to find means of funding that through providing uh, an office building that generates the the capital returns and also boost the long-term income through ground rents and, and, and things like that. But it's taken a long a long time, and there's been lots of um, cul-de-sacs, if you like, and lots of ideas that came to nothing, and lots of offers that came to nothing, until eventually um, uh, you know, we, we, we were able to uh, find an architect with a vision that at the time we thought was actually very radical and we weren't convinced that the planners would like it. But um, when the planners saw it, uh, it, it answered a lot of the questions that they'd had, funny enough, about, about previous plans that we'd submitted um, and, and overcame those objections. So uh, we were able to make fairly rapid progress. Uh, we started that, pro- pro- that, sorry, we started that uh, planning process right at the beginning of lockdown in March 2020 and submitted a full planning application in the November. And when I tell you that the planning application comprises 150-odd different reports and surveys, and you know, as well as all the architects' plans, it was a huge amount of work. But it, you know, actually largely because of lockdown, 
it was it was quite easy to get all the different professionals in a in a space via Zoom or Teams than it would have been sort of meeting in person. So it actually fostered and facilitated a fairly rapid process. And um, uh, I mean, I'll let Justin talk about you know the, the aspects of the vision. I'll, I'll probably come back on on other things, but over to you, Justin. Hi, I'm Justin Nichols, uh, director of Power Architects. Um, been working with Chris on this for over a year now, a year and a half. Um, and I think what I think what's really interesting about this project is you're creating a community hub um, around older people uh, in the in London, and I think that's really important as the population ages. Um, I think it's predicted to be two million people over sixty uh, in London by twenty thirty five. I think it's trying to change the mindset that these people can be uh, make a positive contribution to society and the neighbourhood. So the, the focus really kind of set at the ground plane in the kind of public spaces is how those things merge together. So we have 62 arms houses uh, over 15 storeys. We have 20 storeys uh, of flexible workspace alongside that. We have a bar and then it we have uh, 950 square metres uh, of landscape gardens, much of which is accessible by the public. So that interface at, ground at the ground plane becomes um, really central to the design of the project. On that ground floor, we have uh, a porter's lodge and a kind of entrance to the almshouses. Uh, we have a residence lounge, which overlooks the gardens and uh, a community hall for use uh, by the public. So that sort of sets the kind of the um, the base layer, if you wish, of, of uses. On the first floor, then, um, Chris uh, will be running a series of flexible co-working spaces for other charitable initiatives. So really um, high quality, affordable uh, charity workspace. And then above that, we start in the residential accommodation. So we have at the second floor, we have a housekeeper's apartment and we have three guest suites. And those guest suites are really important. So again, uh, going to the point that this is for independent living. So the more we can do to help people live independently longer, uh, the less extra care uh, that they need in time. So having guest suites enables people to come and stay. You may have a temporary carer there in the sort of short term. Above that, um, we then have um, apartments, uh, one bedroom apartments. We have five per floor. And they're paired um, over two floors. So you have a, a community of 10 apartments um, overlooking a double height space. The circulation in those areas um, always ends in windows and double height spaces. And that's really important for things like dementia, where people don't like um, dead ends and uh, poor levels of um, daylight. They uh, That then goes up to level 15, where we have uh, a rooftop garden, which is about 350 square metres. Um, we have a conservatory space, we have a shaded pergola space with raised beds for protective gardening. So all of these things are really um, tuned into creating pockets of space and places that people can interact and those people either within the building or um, outside of the building. So you mentioned that this is for people who are living independently and continuing to live um, independently while they're in the space. What are the differences then um, in a design of this kind of project compared to, you know, a residential that you would put in for that period of time when you are, you know, still living independently, but you are 
um, in the process of, of I, I suppose, at an age when other complex needs might arise? Well, I think that, um, you know, quite a few uh, of my, my colleagues in almshouse charities, some of them have gone down the route of turning themselves into care homes um, with, with varying degrees of success, I have to say. Um, it, it's, it's not something that we've ever really considered um, because um, one of, the, one of the, the things that I value about my charity is, is our independence. You know, we're, we're not funded externally in any way, shape or form. We're not part of a council provision. We're not part of a government scheme or anything like that. Uh, we're completely independent, and, and our age partly helps that because we've we've been able to uh, you know build up resources and and, and financial strength uh, you know over the past three hundred years. So our view is that we've we've continued to support people to live independently, um, but inevitably, some people manage that really well. Some and I've got I've got residents now who are in their nineties. I mean, well into their nineties, ninety four, ninety five years old. <laughs> who are still bright and breezy in the morning. They go off to get their newspaper and their bread and their milk and they're in and out and all the rest of it. Um, everything's still working. Uh, um, but then you've got other people who the, the, their body starts, the machine part of the body starts to break down or uh, mental acuity starts to fail and this type of thing. So there's always, there's always been some people for whom we need to find that transition from independent living into a more supported, supportive uh, environment and that used to be fairly straightforward and fairly quick um, but then 2008 financial crash caused a lot of austerity one of the things that the government of the day imposed was restrictions on uh, council you know, it was cutting council council budgets basically and the council's response was to you know they were looking for things that they could cut as well one of those things was actually the number of places in care homes so now it can take quite a lot longer for someone to transition from our 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 uh, situation into a, a care or a care or supportive situation. Um, so what we're providing, Justin mentioned it actually, a couple of things he mentioned. First of all, at the ground floor, this concept of a porter's lodge. Now we lifted that straight out of you know, old Oxbridge Oxbridge colleges. So that's that's going to be somewhere on the. It's by the entrance. There will be an awake person in there either a staff member during the day or security overnight so there'll be somebody awake 365 days a year uh, 24 hours a day in that space which will be really very useful if somebody has an emergency in the night or you know if an ambulance has to be called or whatever and of course during the day it'll be normal things for deliveries and post and a cardo or tesco shopping or whatever um so that's that's one level and then uh, justin mentioned the housekeeper's flat so in arms houses in the past, we used to employ what they call wardens. We used to call them wardens in those days, and you can see that has a that has a whole different connotation if you look at it in a, from a different light. Um, and and latterly, they've been called scheme managers, trying to find a you know a less a less harsh word than warden. Um, I think housekeeper is actually quite a good expression because it's somebody. Um, it, it could be a part. It could be a, a couple. Uh, where one, one one person is the housekeeper and the other person is a maintenance 
uh, operative can you know can can change a tap washer or change a light bulb or all the simple little things that that, that sometimes need doing. That would be a great combination if we can find it. But the purpose of the housekeeper is again, it's somebody there to provide a pastoral care and just to have a kind of an overview and an oversight of the people, especially the people who might be, as I've already said, might be in this transition phase, or whose faculties are starting to go. And we, to be honest, our office is in the arms house, so we we can tell when somebody's starting to change. You know, you get to know them, and then and then you know you 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 can experience when they start to get forgetful or they start to, to say, to repeat the same things over and over again, or you don't see them so often. So you know, because we're close to it, you can be aware of that and you can provide them with the support that they need. And that's, that's what the housekeeper's there for, to support people through a transition phase um, so they can move into, into a situation that, that's, that's better suited to them. I, th- I think also we talked a lot about um, what kind of environment the arms house would be. So at one level, it could be like a block of flats. You go in and you've got a set of pigeonholes. You pick up your post, go up in the lift. Uh, at another extreme, you've got the traditional kind of old people's home, which is very kind of institutional and very kind of hospital in, in feeling. So trying to design uh, effectively the front door and the entrance sequence and the right terms to use for these different things that Chris has been talking about is really important because it it, it has a sort of civic duty, um, but it's still private because it's still people's homes. So the Oxford College was as close as an analogy we could find to something that's mainly domestic, but still has people visiting and um, different other functions going on. And you didn't want to go concierge or hotel-ish? This idea no. that there was more of a pastoral care. Was there a reason for that? Well, I, would, I wanted to keep it really, uh, uh, just to use a great word, domestic. That domestic, sort of friendly, neighbourly, you know, that's why that's what housekeeper sort of uh, says to me. Whereas concierge is something that they, they put in, you know, apartments worth six and a half million quid over in Neo Bankside, you know. <laughs> Which my residents look at by the way so my residents at the, at the moment they're paying 30 pounds a week to live in a one-bedroom flat on bankside staring out of their window at neo bankside development where you can buy an apartment for six six million quid great can i um just going back to your question christine about the design of the flats i think what's very interesting is that um, older people spend more time living in their homes um than than others so the quality of space that you're providing is much much more important um so for example we're uh, we're slightly oversized compared to a typical one bedroom apartment um we have an extra 500 millimeters of floor to ceiling height than you get in a commercial development so these things provide better spaces um we provide a romeo and juliet balcony um, which opens up with a kind of corner window other seats and so forth and that visual connection to kind of life outside becomes really important and that to help deal with loneliness so if if you're frail and you don't go out very often actually just being able to look down and watch people going to and fro uh, makes a huge difference so that those connections become critical we added a window between the kitchen and the circulation space outside that you can screen off so that if you want that visual connection to see people um outside 
going to their own flats that's there so i think it's those layers and layers of connectivity we introduced uh, a sliding screen between the bedroom and living space if you're convalescing in bed you're still connected to the rest of the flat or uh, your other half in, in, in another room and you still get that kind of view out of the window so, so it's those i think it's that connectivity that's really really different uh, in answer to your original question I wanted to ask about that relationship to the offices, because I know you have kind of a shared courtyard with the public and with the building. Um, so so first of all, why offices? You know, why not, you know, another residence or a private residence? And second off, how do you anticipate that that mixing and mingling going? Um, or what are your kind of best best hopes or wishes or or what are you hoping to orchestrate either through um, the design or the curation of that space? Uh, between the residents and the workers. Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, the off- well, the reason, first of all, the reason for the office is, uh, as I as I mentioned earlier on, we we needed, um, you know, a substantial capital uh, receipt um, to be able to to reprovide the almshouses, um, and then also provide the charity with a long term income to be able to run the the, the almshouses. So there's two elements to that, basically. And a, a uh, an office building, uh, given the location, uh, we're on Blackfriars Road. We're very close to Blackfriars Bridge. It's 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 really central London, uh, and in large part that's that's because of the way that the river bends. So you can draw a straight line from Westminster to the Tower of London, and it cuts right through our site. So it's really very very central. Um, and there's there's been quite a lot of, of major office development in the in the area, so it's proving to be a very popular location uh, and a very desirable location for commercial tenants. So it made sense to um, go, go down the route of an office. Uh, I have to say, in in earlier iterations, when we were looking, uh, by the way, this development is only using half of the site that we own. So there's, there's another half. And uh, it, it, before we before we got um, got in, before we found Fathom and, and, and the present plan, we were looking at plans for the entirety of the site, and that would have comprised an office and a residential tower and almshouses and well something else a hotel or you know whatever. Um, and in fact, one of the things that we were we were looking at for the residential was a retirement village but again a vertical retirement village and you know there are companies that, that do that um, because actually bankside you know where we are where we're located is a fantastic cultural amenity in london you know just just you know you've got the tate modern five minutes away you've got the globe a couple of minutes beyond that a national film theater in the south bank you know the old vic the many a chocolate factory if i could go on there's there's so much richness there um, and and that I think obviously it's it's a, a, a great attraction for everybody, but for those sort of wealthier older people who are sort of trading down from their Islington Victorian say to come and live in Southwark, you know. Any, anyway, that 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 that, that could be something for the future. Who knows? Uh, I don't know. Um, anyhow, the 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 space that we're creating at, at the back. Um, this has been an interesting discussion that we had with the council because. They were saying, well, are you going to be fencing it off? Is it going to be exclusively for the residents? Well, uh, the the reality is, no, we're not. And no, it isn't. Because 
I think it'd be very unlikely that people would come and sit out in a garden that isn't that, that has this open feeling, unless it's a particular type of event or occurrence or you know, whatever. And that's why we've given them the roof terrace. So the roof terrace is exclusive to the residents of the arms house. The, the, the space in front, I see that very much. Uh, we've tried to design it, very, the landscape architects have designed it with a softer, you know, more, you know, grass and, and, and hedging and shrubbery and that type of thing at the, at the northern end, which is outside the, our residence lounge. And that might tempt them out on a sunny day, a group of them sit around a, a picnic table or something. And the southern half is a bit harder paved, uh, because it's going to be part walkway, because people will come along Nicholson Street, and they'll cut across to walk through up to Suffolk Street. Uh, but it also spills out in front of this community hall or community amenity or village hall that we're creating on the ground floor for any anybody in the in the area who wants to use it for anything they want. So whether it's a yoga class or a creche or a Pilates or a birthday party or a film night or any you know any one of the thousand things that can happen there and if it's in the summer you can open up the big french doors and you can step out and you can spill out into this area outside um i guess that 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 uh, eventually the the um office office users will be tempted to come and sit around the quiet side of the you know, nowhere to sit outside on blackfriars road and why would you want to anyway because it's you know, smelly and dirty and all that stuff. They'll come round. They'll sit in the garden with a few colleagues and 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 have a sandwich. That's what'll happen. But it'll take them time to find it, and it'll take them time to feel welcome. Um, and you know, and we'll do what we can to try and try and foster that. And you know, depending on who 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 ends up you know working and and taking up the space, an awful lot of firms these days they've got programs where they want to let people volunteer. They want to let people work with different groups. I can see opportunities for them to befriend some of the older people uh, or to, 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 to take part in some of the things that we're putting on. You know, if we're putting on an event or something in the in this community space, they can come and take part in that. They could use it themselves and, and invite people. So, um, and of course, we've got, a local, we've got a community around us as well. You know, there's a housing association block of flats just to the on our northern half and there's a low-rise estate to the southern side so there are people living around and it's important i think that um we it, it it's still a place where people are able to live it's not just where people go to work and then go home i mean that's that's what's happened to the city of london by and large uh thanks to the development that's gone on there it, it, i want it to be a place where people yeah they feel i'm at home and I've got my friends and I, people that I see and people that I work with and people that I that I help. And it's all a bit woolly and it's all a bit idealistic. But I, I think we can make it I think we can I think we can foster the 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 willingness and the and the, the engagement, uh, basically. Well, we certainly the cultural offer in that area is is quite remarkable. Uh, and in many ways, the you know, no other residential development would other than the Barbican really would have such an easily doorstep amenity of, of yeah. cultural at attractions. But yeah. um, one question that I was wondering about um, was the, the, that um, one question that we get is often around high rise living uh, in, in general. I mean, those traditional almshouses that were low rise, you know, this sense, which is really, 
quite UK specific that high rise living is somehow antisocial. Um, and I know, Justin, you mentioned those kind of gathering spaces around at the end of the hall, but I think it's an interesting thing to address. There's some models, like you mentioned, the vertical village or people who are trying to challenge this idea that high rise living is somehow anti neighbor or anti um, city. But were there models that you, you know, drew from or inspiration that you drew from or, or you know, is this kind of a would you say, you know, that you would like to challenge that assumption? Well, I, I certainly would. Um, my experience of, of uh, my, my existing almshouse, which is, which is ground, ground floor, first floor, so two, two levels, the people, and, and, and bearing in mind the, 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 uh, the pool from which we draw our residents, they, they, because there are eligibility criteria, so typically my residents have come from council housing or social housing, um, housing associations, they don't own their own uh, you know, property. And um, many of them have said to me over the years, we don't like living on the ground floor. We feel vulnerable. And if you, you know, if you translate that back into, you know, a high rise block off, off the old Kent road, um, you can understand why they might feel that way. So we've never had a pushback at all about stacking them up, so to speak. The, the the challenge, though, is how do you do that without, as Justin mentioned earlier on, creating this sort of anonymous you know block of apartments? How do you foster encounter? How do you facilitate encounter? How do you foster community? And and here's an interesting thing. So my residents, they live in this four square building, and there's a garden in the middle. And um, like all people, they don't get on with everybody. You know, they've got little cliques. Some of them sit in the garden. Some of them go and sit on a terrace. Some of them don't go and sit with anybody. You know, some of them stay in their flat all day. Some of them go out all day. You know, there's, there's the whole range of human experience and activity there. So, uh, and there's a lounge. And so we've we've offered things over the years, whether it's been activity or, uh, or, or an exercise class or knitting or bingo or whatever. And we've offered things, and sometimes we've had pushback, saying, actually, no, that's what they do in old people's homes, and we're not an old people's home, even though they're in their 80s. Um, and sometimes it's like, yeah, they'll, 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 they'll take it on and they'll do it. They won't all do it. You know? They'll all do something different. So you can, you, can, you can talk about community, but you can't force it on people, and you can't force people to take part in it or to engage with it. All you can do... And I think this is what we've done incredibly well with this arms house design is create spaces where people are likely to encounter somebody. And hopefully, because it's not like they've got an appointment to get to most of the time, they can sit down for 10 minutes and have a natter. And, and actually, the main space for that is outside the lifts, which is where they're going to be coming in and out of the building. We, we spent a lot of time um, and actually we reduced the amount of communal space. Um, particularly around the flats because um, you know you have your living space and you have 62 flats you might have somewhere between 62 and 120 residents um, to actually re make that more compact so we put the communal space down on the ground floor we design it in a way so that you can look in and if there's somebody in there you don't particularly want to spend time with you can carry on walking so you're not sort of getting stuck um, we looked at all sorts of different um, 
examples of co-living, student housing, build to rent, hotels. Um, St Pancras Hotel, for example, on the very top floor, they have balconies between the corridors and the floor below. And it's like, well, can we can we do that? So we're getting that more more vertical connections. If you go to Europe and you look at uh, blocks of flats, very often the fire escapes there is open to the corridor. So we we set the fire engineer the challenges like, can we actually have uh, you know open corridors between levels? And if we can do it in Europe, they might have different regulations to us, but fire doesn't move differently. So it's really challenging those boundaries. And I think weirdly, something like uh, workspace planning is a really good example where people put a lot of time and effort in putting recycling bins in particular places or kitchenettes to encourage people to walk around their workplace. It's exactly the same design process here. And to a certain extent, um, I think some of it is an experiment. Um, and I think it's very interesting, but there are plenty of you know, vertical living models that we've drawn from, and we've been lucky enough to put all to be able to put all those design features into a building that I think probably in a commercial residential building would have been removed. So you know you'd you'd make an extra bedroom out of the end of the corridor where you got the window, for example. Um, so I think that having that little bit of extra generosity. Um, makes a huge difference to the quality of the space that we provided. What what one of the things that that um, was in Southwark's own planning document from from like ten ten years ago, actually mentioned the word vertical community, and um, it's something that we, we we picked up on partly because we're we're one of the very very few uh, charities, arms house charities, old arms house charities, sorry, that's building a brand new arms house in an urban setting in the centre of London. Um, and uh, actually, we've got a site, you know, if, if we had 100 million quid in the bank, we've got a site that, that's big enough for us to completely clear it and build a lovely traditional old arms house with, you know, three-sided or four-sided, you know, very lavish gardens and all the rest of it. And maybe, maybe if we'd had the money, we would have done that. Um, but but we don't have that sort of money and we don't have that you know prospect. So what we did instead was really, really, and, and, and Fathom was fantastic about this, was really say, how can we make a vertical community work? Um, how can we break that sort of older model? You see, I, I've got, I, I mean, I love old arms houses. I mean, they're, they're beautiful buildings. Let's not, let's not, you know, uh, nothing to disagree with there. But they were they a lot of them came out of a very paternalistic view a lot of them quite a parochial view and and often um they were they were really designed as very insular uh communities inward looking you know it's 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 real retirement from the world almost you know and i'm sure you know they 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 had their working life and and that's what that's all they wanted i don't think older people today want that I mean, I, I myself, I am a, actually a pensioner. Age-wise, I'm more than eligible to live in my arms houses. There's other reasons why I don't qualify. But I'm not looking to turn inwards and away from the world. And I don't think modern people are, frankly. I think they still want to be engaged. I think they still want to be outward-looking. So, um, but you still, I think, I think the, the challenge, as I said before, is providing people with the opportunities and the spaces for encounter, linger, 
you know, and, and then more formal community, whether it's activity or party or fun or you know, whatever. And, and sorry, I, I'm just going to keep going for one moment because one of my trustees would never forgive me if I didn't mention the art strategy. So one of my trustees is a, who lives just over the road, actually, um, is an artist. Um, and her and a colleague of hers have produced an art strategy for the almshouse. So bearing in mind what we just talked about, all the cultural amenity, and particularly the Tate Modern and the Jerwood Space and the Hayward Gallery and all those sorts of things, we are working on a whole program, on a, a multi, multi-level, multi-stranded program of bringing art, small a art, into the almshouse. So right now there's projects going on, gathering people's, capturing people's um, experiences of their life before the almshouse, their life in the almshouse, you know, as they transition from our almshouse into the, the, the one that we're, the, where they'll be living for the next few years while we rebuild ours, capturing those stories and encouraging people to, 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 to share their stories. Um, but, but, but there'll also then be, be art that they can take part in, whether it's, a, you know, art classes or art visits. Or, um, and then we'll have a rolling programme of artistic things happening in the arms house. And some of them will be a bit more static. So, you know, we're talking to guys in St. Thomas's about borrowing some of their massive collection of paintings to hang around the arms house corridors you know fantastic uh, if we if we afford the insurance um but uh, uh, and other things will be a little bit more you know see it and it's and it's gone so it's maybe a little video installation or, or something of that kind but it's it's really trying to just engage people with a topic that we all find a bit challenging you know capital a art oh my god that's not for me actually it's for everybody it's just a way of it's how you introduce it it's how you how you you bring it to people basically so that's a really, really exciting aspect of, of what we're trying to do. Well, it sounds like a wonderful way to participate in the storytelling and the creation of this, the place, the curation of this place as well. Um, one uh, question I wanted to ask, you mentioned those community spaces downstairs. I mean, one, um, one thing that's often commented about is that uh, as people kind of seek to, you know, move into active you know, still are still active, but are seeking to downsize into smaller properties. Can I still host my grandchild's birthday party? Can I still have Christmas dinner or, um, or, you know, host a dinner party if I'm in this much smaller space? How did you deal with that, Justin, actually? You know, is that is that what that community space is for? Or are these flats kind of designed to, to host yeah. people that, you know, not um, necessarily sleep over? Uh, visitors, I think, are really important, and um, even spaces for children to play. Um, so, children being bored um, is is one of the leading reasons why people leave visiting their elderly parents uh, more quickly. So, the rooftop um, garden is really important for that. There's there's internal space up there, so you can hold a birthday party, you can hold a dinner. The uh, communal space on the ground floor is much more about interacting with the public, so bringing people in from outside, um, and as Chris said, creating those layers of privacy, if you wish. So you have internal community, you have external community, and you have your own um, spaces. So, so that was that was really um, critical, I think, in getting that to uh, getting that to work. So making sure that people come and stay. Um, stay as long as they possibly can without feeling uncomfortable. Um, we've got um, some guest suites on the second floor uh, to help that uh, as well. 
So one thing that Fathom were absolutely brilliant at was consulting with my existing group of residents. And we had a whole, a whole rolling series of those and looked at lots of different aspects. You know, it's like the individual flats and then the, 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 the shared spaces and the communal spaces. And one of the comments that was made that specifically relates to the question you've just asked, somebody said, I want the residence lounge to feel like an extension of my living room. So it's not like this, you know, where you walk in and it's impersonal and it's, you know, and it's empty and it, you know, it's somewhere where, yes, you can have a party or you can have your friends over, you know, or, or whatever. So it, it feels like it's, it, it's just more of my living space. And that, that, well, that was a key thing. Um, has that changed your approach to your existing building? Has any of the, the stuff that you've learned made you think, oh, actually, I'd like to change the way our existing old house works? Well, <laughs> I suppose in a way, I mean, when I started, the, there is a residence lounge and uh, it was kept locked. <laughs> <laughs> I know, bonkers. I, um, so nobody ever used it, obviously. Um, so the, the first thing I did was unlock it and, and and then I redecorated it and then I put some carpet down and then I got a big TV on the wall and, you know, and a piano in the corner and people started using it. Um, you know, not everybody, not all the time, but... I mean, there's regular birthday parties that go on in there. There's a there's a weekly bingo thing, and there's a weekly knitter circle, and there's an exercise class that goes on in there. And um, um, yeah, I think again, it's just just a matter of thinking up thinking up. Look, I'm not very good at thinking up things, so uh, it's, uh, other people are good at that. So it, I love this point about children getting bored and then needing to leave, which does <laughs> seem that, ex and also that experience of visiting someone in. You know, typically it's a you know in a care home setting, and that mm -hmm. real feeling of being in an other space that doesn't belong to you, or it's that mm -hmm. strange, not hospital but not comfortable, uncomfortable environment. Um, mm. And and I think that that is that you know I can identify that with not wanting that to be in this um, in this new uh, development. And I, th I think that's what's been really interesting about the project is that it is. Uh, arms houses and arms houses are a very unusual typology and trying to find the analogy for those types of space we talked earlier about the Oxbridge College we had a similar issue um, when we work with MRG landscape architects on the garden this is the opposite of a traditional London square where you've got a, a fence all the way around you've got a key and you go in and use that garden this had to be much more open and much more the transition between public and private has to be really clever um, and we work really really hard to do that so each of these spaces that we're talking about and these different uses are completely unique I think to an arms house um, so that's why we've always had to kind of challenge ourselves on each of those design moves um, up and down the building um, Christina you mentioned about uh, going back to the vertical vertical living comment um, this came up in the planning committee and we had a, there was a lot of discussion about this uh, within the councillors and Chris brought one of his residents along and they so they asked him what he thought about vertical living and he just turned around and said I've lived in tower blocks I've lived in houses front doors I've lived in flats uh, and he said I don't care where I live it's all about community so he, he had no segregation that we have in our kind of academic thinking about vertical living he, he's just interested in who am I living with? What is my community? And I think that's a really important thing that sometimes we get we get lost in this kind of train of thought. 
and actually it's quite a distraction. And at the end of the day, typologies too, because at the end of the yeah. day, these are homes. These are homes for people um, that kind going, of some admit. Go ahead. Going, mm -hmm. going back to Chris's point about the art program mm -hmm. and the consultation is actually when you meet these people, suddenly you're designing, you're not just designing an abstract. You know, so it's like you're not designing units anymore. You're designing John's home. Um, and that's that's a really interesting kind of shift in mindset. And I think when you look at larger regeneration projects, we talk about a oh, bit of community garden here and there. But actually, if you start identifying the actual people that are going to run the shop or uh, what kind of art centre you're going to be providing and who's going to be run it, running it, it becomes uh, much more people centric and you're starting your journey of placemaking much sooner than just talking about it in the abstract. Can I ask, what were the planning? You mentioned there was issues where they were deeply concerned with previous schemes. What were those, uh, or perhaps the kind of key concerns that they had on your earlier ideas? Um, so I, th I think I think this is quite important where Chris touched on the fact that the, the office building is there to provide and the funds to build the arms house so and, and for me that's an amazingly brave thing to do where the office development is there for social good it's a really unusual example of um, development in that sense and the the original scheme had an office building a garden and a residential building which has been a, a very straightforward kind of arrangement but the space that was left in between was very narrow i think it was somewhere around about 12 meters so you've got huge overlooking issues. You've got a, a garden that doesn't really work because it's it's shaded. So actually, by pushing the two buildings together, effectively creating a party wall between the two of them, it enables us to uh, create a garden that I think is about 19 metres. But your perception of the size of the space also includes all the pavements, the roads uh, over to the garden on the other side. So that was the key thing that really unlocked the whole project. And again, that's just thinking a little bit harder about uh, a better answer. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're thrilled with the answer that Fathom came up with because, you know, it, it's a great looking building. And um, and here's the other thing, you know, um, we're, we're not like any, other, well, first of all, we're not a property developer. Uh, we're a charity and, you know, we, we provide, but we provide physical property. Um, and we're, 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 we're not just the, the, the landowner and the freeholder. We're also going to be the occupiers for the next, well, for the duration of the building. So it's very important. You know, we, we, it's great that we've uh, uh, just in sort of segued into designing somebody's home. And that's really what we're about, is providing long-term, secure, affordable homes for people, not just a flat. You know, it, it's a home and we and and people want their own front door. And, and you know, that's absolutely that's fantastic. That's what we're there for. Um, but because it's ours and because we are going to be there and, you know, my successors and, you know, and all the rest of it, we want to be we want this building to stand there in 100 years time and look just as good as it does when it gets built, uh, as it does on this picture here. Um, and, and everything inside, it still works. You know, I mean, it's, obviously it'll be well maintained, but you know, we're, we're we're building for the long term. And you know, I, I look around at a lot of you know a lot of London development, office development, and you can see it's very much of today or of actually about ten years ago when it was being dreamed up. 
And I, I can tell you now, in 20 years' time, all these big glass things, they'll be gone. Something else will have taken their place. That's London's, in a way, that, that's one of the great strengths of London. It sheds its skin very readily. People are ruthless. You know, this building doesn't work anymore, or it's going to cost too much to refurbish, so we'll knock it down and start again. That happens all the time. We're not like that. We want to put something there that will stand the test of time, that will look good, that will work well, that will provide a great living environment, a great working environment for the office people. Um, and that, you know, and I think, you know, we one of the conversations that we had early on, um, you know, in, in terms of just, just ideas, if you walk around Southwark, there's a lot of old warehouse type buildings that have, have had multiple uses over the years. You know, they're 100 years old. They were a warehouse. They've been uh, a theatre, they've been uh, apartments, they've been offices, they've, they're, they're, there's a restaurant. You know, th th there's something about the nature of the building that lends itself to this more plastic, I mean that in the sort of elastic plastic sort of sense, that it's not fixed and rigid and you know, immovable and unchangeable. You know, it has this sort of flexibility. And somewhere we've tried to incorporate some of those design elements into, into the arms house. So that it doesn't look a million miles away from a Victorian warehouse. Actually, if you, if you look at the arms house particularly, it has, a, it has that sort of vibe. Um, and I think, therefore, I hope, therefore, that in a hundred years time, it's going to look great and it's still going to do what it's, what it says on the tin, you know? Loose fit, long life. That's what we all want too. A nice long life. <laughs> I don't do. know what the loose fit would be, but <laughs> maybe some. <laughs> Some nice, comfortable clothes, perhaps. I I want to thank you both for uh, speaking to me about it today. It's been really interesting to hear about the Alms House, and uh, congratulations. Thank you, Christine. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Th thanks, Justin. Thank you, Chris. Christine. If you enjoyed this podcast and you like what we do, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash thedeveloperuk. Thanks a lot. <laughs>